Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest has worked with several Native American tribes and organizations. She is the secretary to her tribal council of the Yaqui Nation of Southern California. Welcome to the show, my friend, Sewa Contreras. Hi, everyone. Hi, Matt. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy we're doing this show. We were, we were discussing, we're having a conversation, and you told me a story that I felt was imperative to share with people because, um, you know, it, it has to do with harm. It has to do with, uh, you know, the world that we're in right now. And, you know, I know a lot of us are in challenging times. And even the, short, the story that you're aware of that you're going to share tonight um, with some other things is, is challenging for you to share, you know, um, with, I work with, uh, Clifford Mahoudi a little bit and learned about his stories and David Lone Bear a little bit, and just a little bit about, you know, how different the native American culture is and, you know, how you guys, it's just a totally different, um, culture than I'm used to, you know, any of the friends that I knew, uh, when I traveled the world, it's just its own thing. And, um, we had a really great chat even before we started here. And, you know, you were sharing more information and, and some of it I had an idea of, but you gave me just clarity and it just, you know, the more I learn, the more I get understanding of that unique space that you're in. And so um, I'll just stop talking and um, let you just share a little bit about who you are and your background, and then we'll get into some of the, uh, what you'd like to share this evening. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Um, well, so a little bit that I do want to share about myself, uh, my background, um, I'm a mom. I have four kids. That's always my first thing when people want to know about me. Um, being a mom is always like first thing for me. But other than that, um, I've, I've worked in my community for a lot of years. But a few years ago, I started wanting to get more connected to my culture. I wanted to start practicing some of the spiritual practices that have been passed on from generation and even time immemorial, you know, just so that I can cultivate myself and my spirit a little, a little more. Um, I started doing, uh, going to a sweat lodge ceremony and the man that runs our sweat lodge is the chairman for my tribe. And I didn't even know there were Yaki's in Southern California before I, I met him and a, a family member of mine from Arizona, which is where our, uh, our big tribe is located, said, you need to look this guy up in California. And I did. And I started going to sweat ceremonies at his house. Um, after a couple of years of going to sweat ceremony, he asked me if I would like to uh, participate in a vision quest. And I said, oh yeah like most of us do even like most natives they go yeah what do I have to do to do that you know like I want to do it of course and he said well first of all you need to come to sweat ceremony every weekend or you know every other weekend when we have it you need to do that consistently it needs to become a regular practice for you and then you need to stop drinking and I was like Oh yeah, that sounds great. I'll get back to you on that. Like, oh, okay. 
And and when it was time to do it, he's like, are you going to go to Vision Quest? And I'm like, you know, this year I got a lot of stuff going on. And I wasn't just ready to make that commitment. For me, that was kind of difficult. Like even we, I started my spiritual journey in church and I was going to church and I would read my Bible and I would take my kids and we'd go to Bible study and you know, all that, that, that was, that's how I started my spiritual journey. And, um, but you know, my pastor never said, are you so, when was the last time you had a drink? I know it's Christmas time. Did you guys have any drinks at your party? So I was, it wasn't an issue for me, but at the time when he started asking me about that, I hadn't been in church in a while and I kind of put it off to be honest. And the second year came by and he goes, so I really think you need to go to vision quest. And whenever you're active in your culture, in your community, in the native community, whether you're teaching a basket weaving class or you're teaching beadwork or you're teaching kids how to dance, you know, traditional dancing after school, whatever you're involved with, you always have to, you know, you don't drink anything that day or you're always smudging and praying before you interacting with your materials and with the people. And so I had done all of those different things, but I just hadn't really made that commitment to like, this is, I'm going to get on this red road and I'm going to walk this. These are ceremonies that I want to participate in and change my life. And um, last Christmas, my sister, she had a Christmas party and she invited us all over to her house. And after the party and the dinner, she let us all know that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was a very aggressive breast cancer she couldn't do like the chemo pills or whatever she couldn't even do surgery she had to go through like the worst kind of chemo to try to fight this cancer and I made a decision that night that I was going to go to vision quest and I was going to pray for my sister and it was so important to me that I was like this is the last night that I'm going to drink because I'd already started drinking I was at a Christmas party so um I I have I wear something really special that was given to me and this is a story a different story for a different day but this uh the special um stone that was given to me helped me make the decision and keep the decision that I wasn't going to drink that night was the last night I was drinking and trust me I tried to drink as much as I could but I didn't even feel like I got a buzz that night I was so mad I was like this is the last night I'm going to drink and I can't even get a buzz. But anyway, that's a different story too. So I got, you know, really, I strengthened myself, my, my resolve. And I said, I'm going to do this for my sister. And I went to Vision Quest, the following, uh, the following Vision Quest. I went to my uh, chairman and I said, I'm ready to do this. I want to have a, you know, I want to dedicate my Vision Quest to my sister's health. I want to pray for her. And um, he said, okay. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And he started to begin to prepare me for my vision quest. And um, I won't go into too many details about the preparation and things like that. But when I got up to the mountain and it was, you know, months later, I had been preparing and I went up to the mountain with the group that had the vision quest uh, that year. Before they put you on the mountain where you basically vision quest is you sit in one spot in nature and for us it's in Arizona that's where my my tribe is from even though Yaki's we've traveled all over Mexico uh Texas New Mexico Arizona 
California. We, we traveled this whole area. Um, but our reservation that the federal government finally, the, the concentration camp they finally gave us was in Arizona. And we had to actually go to war in 1980, no, 1978. We went to war with the United States government to get our federal recognition. And that's another story for another day. But we, we have this reservation there and there's some sacred uh, spaces there, hills there that we use for, for ceremonies like this. So we traveled back there and we were asked to go into um, a sweat lodge before we were going to fast with no food or water for four days, we had to sweat in a sweat lodge first. I didn't know we were gonna do that, but I was. it was a surprise to me, but I'm like, okay, this is happening. We're doing this now. But before we went into that sweat lodge, the spiritual leader for the tribe said, I wanna talk to you about some things before you ladies go in there. He said, this is the first year that I've done this vision quest in a long, long time that, that we only have women going up on that mountain to pray for this vision quest. There are 10 women going up there and no men to vision quest. So this is the first year in a very long time that I can remember that we only have women going up. And that's very significant because you guys are stepping up into that warrior position you guys are stepping up into that leadership position we need you to do that right now so he also said this to me or to all of us actually but this is the part that and he said a lot of things but this is the part that i really paid attention to because he talked about having no food or water for four days and so i was scared to not have anything to eat or drink for four days so i really paid attention and he said you know the body can go a long time without eating you can go a month or more without eating, but you can only go three days without water. So you're going to start to feel hungry and that's normal. But what you're really going to struggle with is feeling thirsty. And he said, so listen up. When you feel hungry, you need to ask the creator for spirit food. And when you feel thirsty, you need to ask the creator for the spirit water all right and i was like okay you know like it was all mystical to me i didn't know like it i i felt like i was it was a parable you know or something so i was just like all right that we'll see if that helps me on the mountain when i'm thirsty or hungry but i think you know i was glad that he was giving us that wisdom and i was looking forward to you know having the experience of of what that was going to be like out there so um that really stuck out in my mind and i was glad that he said that because it came into play later so the first night we went up to our the spot where we pray and we fast and i went to sleep the sun went down i went to sleep got and all you take out there is a sleeping bag and tarps i was asked to take bring two tarps one to put under my sleeping bag because there's dew in the morning and things like that and and the other one was to put over my sleeping bag because the the previous year it had snowed and it had rained 
on the people on the mountains. So they said, just, you can't bring a tent or anything like that, but you can bring a tarp to put over your sleeping bag and to kind of protect you if, if it rains or it snows. So the first night, at first I, you know, I put the tarp down and then I put my sleeping bag on that and I had my pillow and I put a big blanket over my sleeping bag. Cause I thought just in case it's cold, I'm having an extra blanket. And then the other thing you have with you is your medicine. So like today, I made sure that I brought plenty of sage to burn because I want to make sure that I'm the energy is clear around me and that I'm speaking with the highest intention. Even before this um, this podcast started, I, I said a special prayer to four directions and I asked for the spirit of truth to come into this conversation so that I could share with you information and that you would know that when you would hear it that it was coming from the spirit of truth we all know the difference between lies and truth because we can feel it when someone's lying to us things don't just they just don't sit right with us and um i wanted to make sure that everyone that heard my words would hear the truth coming from me not anything ego or any other you know there's no other agenda here all i'm trying to do is share truth with people and so um i brought my medicine with me on my on my vision quest and uh i burn different medicines for different things but mainly it's to clear the energy and make sure that my intention is right and that the energy that comes through when i'm praying is from a good place and is in a good way. So uh, that's all you take out there with you. So I had my tarp out in my sleeping bag and I went to sleep that night after the sun went down and we're just sleeping out in the elements. And, you know, I, I didn't, I'm just like sharing with you my experience of Vision Quest, but um, it wasn't very easy for me to sleep out there the first night. You're in the desert on a, on a hillside in Arizona. And so you can hear coyotes, packs of coyotes, you know, barking at each other. And they're like, they, it sounds like they're like right next to you. You can, you, you, your mind starts going like, what's out there? You know, I've never done anything like this. I don't even like camping. So for me to be out there just under a tarp was, it freaked me out the first night. Um, but in the, I remember at night though, waking up at some point because I was cold and I thought I got all these blanket this blanket on me I should be warm but the wind was just kind of blowing right through that sleeping bag and that blanket so I thought tomorrow I'm going to put the tarp over me and I'm going to sleep under that because at least it'll keep the wind out and um in the morning when I woke up my blanket was covered in dew it was all wet and I thought to myself again I'm going to put that tarp over my blanket to my tonight because then maybe the dew will be on the tarp and not on my blanket now i have to put my blanket out in the sun and dry it and so i can sleep tonight and um but i remember having that thought and as the day went by and the sun got higher in the sky it got hotter and hotter and i was like what am i going to do out here i don't have any water i don't have any food and i can't even go anywhere i'm just stuck here and I can't focus on praying because 
I'm thinking I'm just going to dry out up here, you know, so I, I, there was a little tiny bush and this is, this is important. There was a little bush growing in the spot where I was praying and it's a chaparral bush. Um, it's also called a creosote bush. They're pretty hardy, uh, desert plants, but they're really, really good medicine, strong, powerful medicine. If you know how to use the plant. So, um, I got this sarape that I had taken and it's just a poncho. It's, it's a poncho, but it's kind of a light made out of like a wool instead of those really thick blanket ones. But I put it over that chaparral bush and I put my head underneath it to get a little bit of shade. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? It's just hot. And I'm, um, that's what my, my ego was telling me. And every day that you're out there, Someone will come to your spot and check on you. That's why it's important to do this. Like it's organized. It's not just like they throw you out there and you're on your own. They don't want to see you for four days. They make sure you're not dead, you know, at least once a day. And so um, I'm, I'm joking. About, I'm not, I don't mean any disrespect, but, you know, they come out and they check on you. They make sure you're okay. Um, and I remember my, my uh, chairman came to my spot and he sat down and he's looking at me and I'm laying on the ground with my head under this sarape trying to get shade. Although the rest of me is just like laying in the sun, drying out like SpongeBob, you know? <laughs> so um, he comes and he goes, so are you okay? And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And he goes, do you need anything? And I thought about it and I go, you know what? I didn't bring any cedar with me i i mean i brought it but i didn't bring it up to my spot and i want to burn cedar so can you do you think someone could bring me some cedar he goes yeah we'll bring you cedar you will make sure you have the, the medicine you need to pray and he's looking at me and he goes and he's everything else okay how are you how are you feeling and i go well it's hot and i'm just kind of worried because i don't have anywhere to get out of the heat and the sun and um, yeah, but I mean, I'll be okay. But yeah, I'm kind of stressed about that. And he goes, listen, remember what, uh, what Alex told you, he's the, the spiritual leader that spoke with us. And he said, look around at all these plants around here. Sewa. they're all green, and they're alive, right? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm looking, I mean, there's cactus, there's chaparral, there's a lot of desert hardy plants that are alive and they're green because they were in it was like springtime and I'm like yeah I see I see the plants and he goes you know why they're green because they know where to find the water and I said okay and he goes you know why because and they can't move but the water comes from the earth not from the sky so when you're thirsty remember to ask for the spirit water and when you're hungry, ask for the spirit food. And you know who's going to tell you where the spirit water is? The plants, because they know where it is. They know how to find the water. And I was like, here goes that mystical stuff again, you know, like, I don't know how to use that information, you know, but okay, thank you. And he goes, all right, I'm going to go, you know, and he left. He just wanted to make sure I was okay. So I laid there and I put my head under that bush again and it just kept getting hotter and hotter. And I could literally feel my body drying out 
and I was worried because then I started thinking, well, maybe I should put more clothes on and cover, you know, my arms and my legs more because I had a long skirt on with shorts underneath it. And at first I was like, I'm going to hike my skirt up and kind of like let my legs breathe a little as long as nobody's out here. And um, so I thought maybe I should cover myself and protect myself from the sun. And then I just got hotter. And then I finally said, okay, I'm going to do something that's crazy, but I'm going to try it. So I looked at this little bush that was laying or that, you know, was growing there next to where I was laying. And I grabbed the little branch and I put it between my hands and I told the bush, I'm thirsty. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but th they keep telling me, ask the plants, you know, ask. So I'm asking the plant, I'm like, I'm thirsty. What do I do, you know? And my ego is saying, this is just getting, you know, like, how's this going to help? You know, this is just crazy. And that's probably not even what they meant. You're dumb, Sela. Like, why are you doing this? But my soul, my spirit got really quiet and it just listened. And all of a sudden, a thought came into my mind. And this plant, I knew immediately that it was the plant talking to me. I mean, it wasn't like an audible voice. It's just a thought that entered into my awareness. And the plant said, if you're thirsty, you need to ask the mother for the water or ask our mother for food. You need to ask mom, like, you know, this plant's talking to me like, hey, sis, you know, we have the same mother. She feeds me just like she feeds you. So if you want food, ask mom you know, go to mom. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Like now what am I supposed to do? So um, I'm laying there and I looked over at the ground where the, the plant was growing out of the dirt. And I took my hand and I put it on the dirt. I laid it on the, on the earth. And I said, mom, I'm thirsty like just like a little kid would ask their mom for a drink you know I go mama I'm thirsty mama you know what do I do and my ego again is like what are you doing like what do you expect to happen you're you're crazy like you're you're already losing it out here so you haven't even fasted for a whole 24 hours like come on and but my my spirit just got really quiet and it just listened and I kept my hand on the ground and I thought, you know what, if I'm humble enough to ask a plant for water and I'm, and I did that and I got an answer, then I'm expecting an answer now. And what I got was another thought that just entered into my mind and I knew immediately it was the earth. And she talked to me and said, if you want me to feed you, you have to lay on my body. Just like a baby, when it nurses on its mother, it goes, it connects with her body. And I'm your mother. So in order for me to feed you, you need to lay on my body. And I'm like, 
it is so hot out here. And I look over at the dirt next to my my um, tarp and the, the stuff that I'm laying on, and I can see the heat rising off the ground. That's how hot it was out there. And I'm thinking, there's no freaking way I want to lay on that hot ass dirt. Like, <laughs> what do I really have to do this? You know, just like now I'm more freaking out. But I told myself, if you were humble enough to ask a plant and then ask the dirt, the earth for something and they answered you, you better do it. You know, I'm like psyching myself up. I'm like, we're doing this now. We're doing this. But you know, that's what you go out there for. That's why you're alone. And that's why you can you can have these conversations with yourself and go, where do I need to be right now in order to do this, in order to make this happen? Who am I out here to impress? Who's gonna care if I lay on the dirt? Like that's what you're there for, to bring yourself down to a level of being you I don't even like the word humility because there's such a negative connotation behind that but if you can be humble enough to connect your spirit with the elements around you things are going to happen things are going to change and your ego will drop enough that you can actually get a message that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get. That's what you're out there for. So I was like, okay, Sela, this is what I came here for. We're going to do this. And as soon as I had that thought and I, I decided I'm going to do it, an, another thought entered my mind. And I remembered feeling all the dew on my blanket that morning and thinking, tonight, I'm going to put my tarp over the top of my blanket so the dew is on the tarp and not on the blanket. Which, by the way, didn't work. My blanket was freaking wet every morning, no matter if I had a tarp on or not. But I remembered the tarp and I was like, oh, I pulled up the edge of the tarp and I put my hand under there and it's just dripping with water. It was so cool and refreshing. And then I put my hand on the dirt under the tarp and it was just all cool and moist. I could not wait to get my ass under that tarp and lay on that cool dirt, you know? And I laid under there and it was like my body just took a drink of cool water. My body just absorbed all that moisture. And it was like the mom was telling me, here's your drink, baby. You're gonna be fine. I'm taking care of you. All you need to do is ask. And every day on that vision quest, during the hottest time of the day, I would lay under that tarp and I would do my prayers under there to get out of the sun and to allow my body to um, uh, get nourishment. Because you don't just get nourishment from the, the water, from the moisture, you also get nourishment from the earth, all of those minerals and everything that is in the rich natural soil. So, that's something right away that I learned from that vision quest, that if you trust and you allow your spirit to just get quiet and listen, and you allow the chatter of your ego, you separate, you can separate yourself from that because you can't always just completely make it go away, but you can tell yourself, wait a minute, who's talking, who, who's saying this right now? Is this me? 
or my ego? Where is that coming from? And that is what I learned. That's one of the things that I learned there. But the last night that I was on that vision quest, um, I was still kind of waiting for a message. I was still kind of thinking, I mean, I had some amazing experiences out there. That's just what happened the first day. Um, but I was, I was still feeling like there's something I came here for that I haven't gotten yet. And the last night, I remember waking up in the night. And before we went into the um, sweat lodge, and, and, the, and Alex had that speech with us, and he talked about, hey, um, he said, you know, you're, uh, you're going to look for the spirit water, and you're going to look for the, the um, spirit food. When he said that, he also said, you're going to get messages when you're out on your vision quest. Some of these messages are going to be for specific people. Some of these messages might be for groups of people and others of these messages are going to be just for you and you're not going to need to share them with anyone else. And he said, but if you get a message for someone, you need to share it. It's there. You're an instrument. You're there to, to bring this awareness to the world. So when I was there the last night, uh, I woke up in, in the night and I I had been praying and I, you know, well, I started praying again because I felt like this is my last night that I'm going to be on this mountain. I need to pray for everybody and everything that I can think of because I won't be here again for another year. And these prayers are so powerful right now because part of the the, the reason we vision quest and we fast is so that we can allow our physical body to weaken enough that our spiritual awareness is more, we're more aware. So um, by the third day, I was very spiritually aware and very physically like deteriorating. And um, I remember thinking, I, I waking up and going, I need to keep praying. I need to keep praying. And I just started praying and praying again. And this thought came to my mind. And I knew right away that I was getting um, information. Like it was my ancestors that had showed up, that I had asked to be part of this vision quest with me. And they had something to tell me and I needed to pay attention. And what I was asked to do was, they said, you need to create a pathway for us to come and because um, your space there is very protected. And your space that you're sitting in is you're constantly burning your medicine to keep your space energetically um, protected. And there's prayer bundles that you create for your vision quest that you, you basically you make them and you tie them all together on this long red string. So you've got all these prayer bundles and they're all wrapped around your space protecting you. And you also have uh, flags from the different colors from the different directions that are 
filled with tobacco that are also protecting you. So they said, we are not gonna just come into your space. You need to create a pathway for us to come in. And um, I was so weak, I was laying on the ground and all I had ne next to me or around me was um, sage bundles. Like this is a sage bundle. And I had a bunch of these with me and I put two parallel to each other facing the direction that I felt the my ancestors were, you know, uh, their energy was coming from. And I said, this is it, this little aisleway, this is your, your, um, you know, your, your uh, um, doorway to, to come in and speak with me because I, I can't, I'm not going anywhere. I can't, I'm not going to get up. I'm just going to lay here and, and listen, you know, they came into the space and I, um, you know, I had these thoughts that came into my mind right away and they just came like downloads. It wasn't like I was seeing pictures like a movie or it was, wasn't like I was hearing an audible voice. It was just like this wisdom wasn't there before. And then it was there. It was there. And um, I remember the first message that I got was for women. And the third, the second message that I got was for everyone, everybody. And the third message I got was just for me. And there was so much information that came at that point. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I got to remember all of this. I got to remember it. I got to remember it. And then as soon as it was all there, I just instantly forgot it. I just forgot it. And, but I was told this information is not here now. I mean, you can't retrieve it now, but when you need it, it's going to be here. So, and it has, it's shown up throughout the year when I need it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where did I see that before? I saw that on my vision quest. It works like that. But here's the message that I have for women. And it's very important um, because it pertains to the time that we're living in now and um, the way that the the earth is, the energy of the earth is off balance right now. And what I was told was that women, and this is important also for men to know and hear, because men are sons and men's are, men are dads of daughters. They're brothers to sisters. There's a lot of women in your life that you love and care about. So this is important for you to know as well. So what I was told was that women needed to remember how sacred we are, okay? Um, and I say that because for so long, women, females have been, um, they haven't been not just treated equally, they have been almost like... Um, we've been treated almost like a commodity or like a marketing tool or like background, you know, just visual, visual background. And what came to my mind was like all the ads for men's cologne or for alcohol or for cars or for sports. They, our bodies sell, I mean, they use our bodies to sell all kinds of stuff everything stupid shit like shampoo i mean it's ridiculous 
And and then when you go to sporting events, it's like as soon as there's a break, everybody's like, where's the cheerleaders? Oh, you know, like, or in a boxing match after that round, you know, some girl in a bikini walks by and it's the next round. And it's just so demeaning and it's so ridiculous. And it's not just about, oh, you know, men are doing this. No, women, we compete with each other. We are, you know, there's so much animosity between women now and like just drama that doesn't need to be there because we should be lifting each other up. We should be empowering each other. We should be filling each other with love. And we know how hard it is to be um, valued. We think value has to do with you know, what you look like, or, you know, how much you weigh, or what your hair looks like, or whatever, if that's where we think we're going to find value, or we might have a great career, but we're not as young or as pretty as someone in our same position. So are we going to get that promotion? Maybe not, you know, all these things have been programmed for us women to believe about ourselves. And, and for people who aren't women or even other women take advantage of that. So I was told we need to remember how sacred we are because the creator uses our bodies as a portal. Our bodies are so amazing that they are a portal from the spirit world to the physical world. Whenever there is a a spirit ready to come to this world to do great work they have to pass through the body of a woman that's how sacred we are that's how valuable we are and that's what the creator that's the medicine the creator gave us so we need to carry ourselves with respect we need to take good care of our bodies we need to take good care of our minds we need to take good care of our heart and our soul because every great leader, every great warrior, every powerful woman, they've come through the body of a woman and that journey is long. You don't just get pregnant and the next day you, the baby's here. That child journeys through that portal for nine months. That's how amazing our bodies are. That's how sacred we are. And so we need to take good care of ourselves because those people, those souls, those spirits that are waiting to come here, that are going to do amazing things on this earth, that are going to change the world, that are going to be, you know, the next leaders, the next fighters that are going to come and, and take care of this, this earth here, they're going to come through our portal. And they're going to be on that journey for a long time with us. So it's important for us to remember that. And when you see another woman, you don't see her as competition. You see her as another sacred being that is here to bring these new lives, these new souls, these new spirits to the world for the creator. And every single thing on this earth, every animal comes through, they come to this land through the the portal of a female animal a lot of plants have male and female plants and if it wasn't for the females here taking good care of themselves and being that that portal that the creator 
made us to be we this earth couldn't be in it couldn't exist and that's true for men as well you know the, the it also takes the man to make a child but once the man does his job we still have to carry that sacred being in our bodies for nine months so i was told first of all we need to remember that and secondly for women that we need to when we begin to grow and to remember how sacred we are the energy on the earth will come back into a balance because right now the earth's energy is so out of balance because there's it's led so much by the masculine energy and not enough of the female energy that what's what's happening is that the way that people treat the earth is it a direct correlation to how they treat women on earth so if you can't respect and treat a woman well or if you see a woman just as a commodity or just as a way to make money or just as a way to sell a product that's how you're going to treat your mother that's how you're going to treat the earth and that's why we can be destroying the ocean just so that we can have you know convenience we can be destroying the, our water systems and our, our soil just so we can mine for oil. You know, we're using, we're, we're treating the earth like we treat the women on earth. Like they're just here to make money. You know, they're just here to sell my product. They're just here to, it's just a commodity. And when that idea starts to change, we're going to start to change the way we take care of the earth as well. But it starts with the women. It starts with us saying, no, I'm sacred. I won't do that to my body. No, I won't eat that kind of food. No, I won't do that. I'm not going to do that because my body is sacred. And no matter how you guys want to take treat your bodies, I have to take really good care of my body. I have to teach. I have to take good care of my, my spirit, of my mind. Because when a, a new soul is going to come into this earth, they have to journey with me for nine months in my portal. So I have to take really good care of myself. And it start, it's going to start with the women. And once we change that mindset, then men, their mindset, and they're already changing their mindset, but it's a slow, it's a slower process because it's been going on for so long. But it's important for men to realize that because when they're teaching their young daughters how to take care of themselves or how to carry themselves, they now they have the knowledge. Now they know that they can tell their daughter, you're a sacred portal. Creator is going to use you for amazing things. He's going to do wonderful things with you because you're a, a woman, you're a female, you're a girl. You're, you're, you're here to do things that I could never do. And in a way, speak that truth to these to their young women. So the second thing that I was told was for everyone. And this was about the way that we eat our food. Okay, so everyone eats. And a lot of us uh, eat meat and vegetables. But this is true for both. Whether you're a vegetarian or you're or you eat meat, it doesn't matter or vegan or whatever. I was told that in the past, our ancestors 
used to, and I know, I already know that, that we do this in our culture. Not every culture does this. Our culture does. But even not everyone from our culture does this. So we need to go back to this, and this is why. Whenever you are preparing your meal, you can take, you should take part of your food and put it on a, another plate or in a, a little bowl or however you want to do that. Just a little portion of each of the things that you're going to eat. And that, what in my culture, we call it a spirit plate. But what you do is you take that plate and you take that food and you put it back in the earth or you put it back in the dirt or outside somewhere. You give it back to the earth. And I've always known that we've done that. And I, you know, I practiced that and uh, I didn't always practice that, but I knew that that was part of the culture. I started to do that more after this vision quest, but here's why we did this. Here's why it started. And this is important. Everything that you eat obviously is alive before you eat it. And for some people who don't eat meat, the more alive your food is when you eat it, the better it is for you. But because everything that we eat is alive, it is important that we give honor to that uh, spirit of that, of that uh, plant or animal. Originally, we used to go hunt and bring food home and you know, we'd butcher it right there where we hunted it, you know, where we, wherever we've caught it, we'd butcher it right there. And we'd bring home these big pieces of meat. Well, in, with indigenous people, we believe that a hunter connects with the spirit of the animals before he goes out. That's what a hunter does. He's connected. And the animal will know that the humans are coming to hunt and the one that gives himself is the one that you take. You don't just shoot everything you can. It's not a sport. It, it's, for, it's for you to eat and survive. So when we would kill an animal, we knew that that animal gave itself to us. So we would cut it like and let it bleed out right there on the ground where it was hunted. Because what you're doing is you're allowing that animals uh, energy to re basically to return to the earth and the same with plants before you take or harvest a plant you're supposed to give an offering and then you can take some of that plant or you can harvest that plant but what it allows it to us to do is any energy that that plant held or the animal held we're we're being able to give it back to the earth in a way that makes that food now good for us to eat. It no longer holds the energy of that animal. It's just meat, it's just protein now for our bodies. But what's happening right now is that animals are killed in such a horrible way. They're treated horribly and they're kept in horrible conditions and then they're just killed and they're packaged and they're processed. And there's no honor for the animal. There's no returning of its spirit to the earth. So what we eat is holding energy from that animal. 
and the energy that the animals are holding right now that they're processing for us to eat is bad. It's negative. It's horrible. And everything that that animal experiences when we eat it transfers to our bodies. So this is a way that we can put that energy back into the earth. Even if you buy chicken at the store and you're like, uh, I didn't kill this animal or hunt it or anything. By taking a piece of that chicken before you cook it and putting it aside, putting it outside, giving it back to the earth, you're able to, with that intention, return that animal's energy to the earth. And then the food that you eat won't carry that energy anymore. The same thing with your plants, uh, um, your plant food. Plants carry their energy. They know, they feel everything. They have, they understand even when you think. There's a video on YouTube and I'll find the link and I'll give it to you, Matt, and then you can put it on your description or something. But this video blew my mind because this man was, um, he was working with lie detector tests. And what he decided to do was he just started lie de- putting, you know, testing everything around and putting these lie detector tests on everything to see if, if he would get anything back. So he put it on a plant this plant that was in the the, his laboratory with him or you know his office wherever he did his work this plant had just always been there so he put it he put the lie detector test on the plant and there was you know a frequency because plants have energy they're alive and you get different frequencies when there's different emotions like fear or joy or whatever and the plant's little reading was pretty neutral you know it's just it's a plant so it didn't it's not like going through all these emotions but then he thought to himself I wonder if it would change if I burned that plant like if I set one of its leaves on fire and when he thought that he didn't do it he didn't have a match in his hand he didn't do anything he just thought about burning the plant and the detector went off the charts like the plant could feel his intention and he did multiple tests like that because he wanted to know is this really happening like do they really have you know thought or cognition or whatever you know like how is this happening so he did a bunch of tests but it always was the same thing But then he realized, because he was like, okay, I'm going to try it on this tomato. I'm going to cut this tomato up and eat it. And it got all stressed out. The tomato got all stressed out. And I'm not making this up. I'm going to put the video link in there for you, Matt. Um, Because this is science, you know, we're supposed to believe science, guys. So what he did was he decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cut this tomato. But first, he talked to the tomato. Before he came into the room, whatever, he did hooked up the tomato. He came in and he said, I'm going to eat you, but I want to tell you that I appreciate your body. I appreciate you feeding me. I appreciate everything that your body's, your body's going to give my body, all the food and nutrients and vitamins that I need. I, I want you to know that I appreciate it and thank you. And then he's like, now I'm going to cut you and eat you. And it neutralized the fear in the plant because the plant was expecting to 
to being, but he was also being appreciated. So that's just a little bit of science behind what I'm telling you. This message was that I got, I received from the, the ancestors. They said, when you're going to eat, always make sure that you take a portion of your food and you set it aside and you return it to the earth because it neutralizes any bad energy that may be held in the food today. And everything we eat is bad. And it goes through even vegetables that say, oh, oh, we're organic. Unless you're growing that food in your house yourself, you have no idea how that plant is being taken care of or how it's being processed. So even with that, even if it's organic, you can neutralize the energy for your food and it gives you a chance to say thank you to the earth for giving us what we need for our bodies to sustain sustain us but also if you do raise your own plants and you do take care of them they know what your body needs and they will produce it even if that plant doesn't naturally produce a certain thing or they only produce a little bit of it, they'll produce more of it. If you need more folic acid in the, and the plant doesn't really make that much of it, it'll produce more than it normally does just because it can sense that your body needs that. So that's another story for another day. I'll tell you my Hopi corn story another day. So those are the two messages that I was asked to share with women and with everyone. Okay, there's one more story I'm gonna share with you and this one, um, it didn't happen on my vision quest, but it's very, very important. And I'm a little nervous even to share it, but I know that I need to, I know that I have to. And, and I made a commitment to the people that gave me this information and I told them that I would share it. So I'm going to. Um, in August, I decided to take a road trip to drive my daughter to college in Colorado from California to Colorado. And like a lot of native families, when we go on road trips, we don't always stay in hotels and you know do all that. We find family or friends along the way and we visit them because we haven't seen them in a while. And so I had plans to stop and visit uh, people along the way. One of the families I stayed with lives on, on the Navajo reservation. And we stayed on a Hogan. We stayed in the Hogan there um, on their property. And it was beautiful. And it was such a blessing to be there. But I knew going there that there was a lot of stuff going on in the news at that time about the Navajo reservation having the highest rates of COVID in the country. And it was supposed to be like the COVID epicenter, you know, and, and it, was, it was just all bad news on the news. But I had been to the Navajo reservation before. So when I heard things like that, I was like, I don't understand how that works out for me because some of those houses are miles apart from each other. They don't live in track homes and apartment complexes like we do in the city or like people in the city do. Sometimes you have to drive more than a mile to get to your neighbor's house. And if you go to a grocery store on the Navajo reservation and there's 25 people in there, it's packed. So I'm like, how are they affecting each other? You know, like I go to Walmart and there's 200 people in there and there's no like a widespread epidemic with Walmart shoppers. It's 
it to me it didn't make sense but i'm the kind of person that when something doesn't add up for me i go and do my own investigation or i go and talk directly to the people i don't i do not recommend anybody believe any of the crap that they hear on any like mainstream media outlet i don't care if it's the news i don't care if it's the radio i don't care if it's the newspaper do your own research like matt says I'm going to make Matt Belair t-shirts that say, do your own research, <laughs> because it's true. You have to do that. You have to do that. And I was on this road trip and I was bringing my niece, my niece, Soleil. Uh, by the way, happy birthday, Soleil. It was her birthday the other day. I, I took her on this road trip because she hadn't really traveled out of California much. And I try to go on road trips every year and see different states and, and and meet people. And so I told her, I want you to go with me. And since all your school's online now, anyway, if you start, if school starts, just bring your laptop and you can do school from the road, which she did. And we had a great trip. But when we were coming to the Navajo reservation, I said, listen, Soleil, because she was kind of like, I go, have you heard the news about the reservation, about what's going on out there? And she's like, I've heard some things, you know, and I go, well, I don't think that it's like they say it is. And besides that, I don't want you to be scared to go there because we're not going to be around a lot of people. You're going to see there's everyone's really, really spread out. So you don't have to be worried about traveling through there. We're going to go stay with the family. And when we get there, we're going to ask them what the heck's going on out here and we're just gonna see what they say so we did it we went on our trip and when we got there we kind of got settled in where we were gonna stay for the night and the and the hogan and we were kind of discussing having dinner there and we, we made a fire outside and after a while we were all kind of standing around the fire and i said hey guys i want to ask you something what is going on out here how is it that there's so many cases of COVID on the reservation? I mean, you guys are so spread out from each other. You guys are so far apart from each other. You can't get any more social distance than you already are. So what's going on? And the couple, they kind of, I think they kind of thought about re their response and then, um, the husband was like, well, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And he told me this story I'm going to share with you that blew my mind, you guys. I didn't expect this information to come from this guy, but this is what he told me. He said, when they first gave us the quarantine, um, you know, the, the instructions to quarantine, they said, you guys cannot leave the reservation and no one can come on the reservation. Everyone has to shelter in place. Remember that guys way back in March or April, whatever it was, they said, everyone shelter in place. And you guys on the reservation, you're not supposed to leave and no one's supposed to come here. And he said, so that's what we did. We stayed on the reservation. We closed the access to the reservation. So only people who lived there could come, come on or off. Um, and really they were trying not to have people leave either. And he said, we started noticing something after we all 
quarantine. Um, there was these planes that started flying over the reservation, small planes. They'd go real low, close to the ground. So we'd really get to get a good look at them. And we were kind of like, what the heck are these planes doing out here? They were the kind of planes that they use for spraying pesticides on the crops. And there's no crops out there. So they were like, what are these planes doing over here? Why are they coming here? And then the planes actually started dropping, spraying something out of the planes across the, the Navajo nation. And he said, after that, we all thought it was weird. We were kind of like, couldn't figure out what, what, what was going on or why that was happening. But after that, they started telling us, you need to go to the Indian health clinics and get tested for COVID. Because people were, yeah, people were starting to get sick. Like they get sick and then they go, okay, go, go test for COVID. We have COVID testing now. So everyone that would go to the Indian health clinics and get tested for COVID were coming up positive with COVID. And they're going, how in the world, when we're quarantined on this reservation, we can't leave and people can't come. How is all these people ending up positive for COVID? What? And they started realizing that these planes were dropping, whatever they were dropping was making people sick. And then when they would go into the Indian health clinic because they were sick, they would be told they were getting COVID or that they had COVID. And then people were dying on the reservation. And so what they started doing was when they started seeing the planes, everyone would go in their houses, they would lock their doors, close their windows, and they wouldn't, well, I mean, I don't know if they had to lock themselves in there, but they would go in their house and they wouldn't come out until they thought it was safe. They close the windows and close the doors. And the numbers of COVID cases like deaths started dropping. So he tells me this story and I'm just like, what did you say? Like, what? And he goes, yeah, that's what's going on here. And I go, but I see news coverage about the reservation. Like people have come out and talked to you guys and covered this area. Are you telling them that this, hap this is happening? And he goes, yeah, we've told people, but they don't report it. They don't report it. I don't know why, but they don't want to report that. And we've been, we've, we've told them that. So now we just do what we, what we think we can do to survive and that's just go in our houses and close the doors and it's kind of been working but you asked me now I'm telling you that's what's happening out here and that was in August um they were a little hesitant to, to tell me that I think at first but they trusted me that I was asking them because I really cared about knowing I really genuinely wanted to know what is going on out here, you guys. And I told them, listen, I'm from California and I know people like, I, I know 
someone that directed a film that was about, you know, the uh, uh, reservation in South Dakota, the Pine Ridge Reservation, and it did pretty well. I wrote a story. I wrote a new story about her her movie, and it's like an independent film, but she won all these awards, and my new story actually got published. So maybe I can write a new story about what's going on out here. And if I did that, do you guys think that I could, you know, like call you for more information or, or whatever? And they were like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you, okay. If you think that they'll report it, yeah, you know, do it. And I, I told them that I was gonna try to get the word out if I could. And um, time went by and I'm a college student. So like I had classes that started and all life went by and I never got around to writing that story. But I got in contact with Matt and um, one of the first things we talked about on the phone when we, we talked, I told him this story and I said, you know, I really want to somehow wish I could get that story out for these people because I told them I would and they trusted me enough to tell me I, and he said, yeah, that's important. People need to know that and uh, asked my friends if they would share the story themselves but they seemed like they were a little afraid to do that or just, they were hesitant. I don't wanna say afraid because fear is a big word, but they were hesitant and they're a young couple, they have young kids. I, I understand in our community, um, it's not always safe to speak out about things, even when the thing that you wanna speak out about is hurting you. It's not always safe to um, talk about it. So there's always that that type of fear that resides in within our culture about speaking out and and telling the truth um you know the truth about things like this because uh it's happening for a reason but i remember asking him hey um do you think it has anything to do with the oil that they found under the ground on the navajo reservation and he goes, oh, I definitely think it does. Because we've been fighting that battle for, I don't remember if he said six years or five years, but he said, we've been going to court every year because they're trying to take our land to get that oil. And the scary thing is that, you know, the, the Navajo reservation is one of the largest, I think it is the largest reservation land wise in, um, in the United States and if for some reason their membership, the number of membership dropped, it'd be real easy for the federal government to just say, you don't even have that many members anymore. You don't need that much land. We could just take it. We need it more than you. We need petroleum or whatever the heck it is that they want to mine there. And they're doing it all over the world. As a matter of fact, in the United States, recently, there have been several tribes that have lost their federal recognition because their numbers dropped or because the federal government just doesn't think they look native enough anymore they're like you don't speak your language anymore you guys look white now you can't really prove that you're native your percentage of blood quantum went down so far that we don't even have to really consider you native american anymore and that's crazy because only animals and native americans are like pedigreed like that where your amount of one type of blood to another, you know, gives you value. 
Um, but, you know, I was a little afraid to tell this story and I'm wrapping it up now, but I kind of didn't know if I wanted to or not, especially with the, the couple, like not really wanting to interview themselves. But I remember I rewatched a an episode of one of Matt's um, podcasts, and it was with Clifford Mahuti, and he's a Zuni elder, and he was speaking about the Native Americans and the genocide that we've gone through, and he said, you know, they used to take blankets that were infested with smallpox and hand them out to the Native Americans. And that was their way of eliminating literally thousands of people by just doing that. If you can imagine how bad smallpox was and then taking one blanket, just one blanket into one village could wipe out a whole village of people because it spread so quickly and it was so deadly. But the United States government lined up Native Americans and handed each one of them blankets they knew were infested with smallpox. And you know why that genocide went on for all the generations that it did? Because no one, first of all, we didn't have the, obviously the, um, technology to give information the way that we do. We didn't have the communication the way that we do. But even when people knew, no one said anything. No one wanted to say anything. And that's continuing today. I mean, this, uh, our murdered and missing indigenous women movement that's going on has been going on for years and years and years and years, but it's just now getting attention because we utilize the tools for communication that we have to be able to kind of make it known. If they still are not really reporting that on major news networks, you know, like not a lot of major mass media outlets are, are covering that. They are now more than ever because of other movements um, but we were, it took us years and years and years for us to relentlessly continue to march with pictures of dead women, dead Native American women, murdered and missing women, and, and continue to bring more and more of them every year until finally they went, oh, there's something going on over there. And even now, there's a lot of people that don't know. Just last year, the native, I go to a Native American college, and just last year, there were students going, wow, we didn't even know that was going on. And these are Native American college students. And they said, we just barely learned that that was even happening. So if we don't speak on these things, when we don't speak out, that's how they continue to happen and continue and continue. So I'm not only giving this message, I'm not only telling this story for non-natives, because everyone needs to know, but I'm also asking natives, when you see something or you know something like that is happening, 
Tell people about it. Keep speaking out about it. Keep talking to reporters about it. Reach out to people like Matt Ballard and others that want to report on truth that will give you a platform to come and tell a story that needs to be heard by the world. Because if our government is willing to do that, to Native Americans still in this day and age, pretty soon we're all gonna be in that same boat, guys. We are all a commodity now. Our intelligence, our attention, it's all a commodity now. So we are the new oil under the ground, if you will. We are our attention, how much time we spend on our phones or how much we respond to things on social media, how much products that we buy online and where we buy them from and how much we pay for them. That is the new oil under the ground now. That's the new clean water that, um, that they're gonna fight over, you know, it, it's us, it's us, it's all of us now. We're all in the same boat. So when you hear something about something that's happening to people, speak out about it. And, and think about this. And um, before I go, I'm not gonna get into too much politics or anything, but when it comes to the United States government, think about the fact that we, we're all a commodity, we're all in the same boat, but if it comes to control, race doesn't matter. Your religion doesn't matter. None of that matters anymore. When it comes to control, we're all, we're all out there, you know, like they're waiting to, they wanna control everything, everybody. And so, um, I say with love to just watch out for your neighbor. Don't be afraid to speak up for your neighbor when you see something. Don't be afraid to speak out for someone who's weaker or who whose voice, you know, who feels like they can't use their voice. Speak for them if you can, when you can. And that's the only time, that's the only way that we're gonna be able to make these changes together. Um, so those are my words and I'm just gonna leave our interview with that unless you have questions for you, Matt. Wow, well, that was an incredibly powerful set of stories. Um, and I'm a little bit speechless. I know that I've, I've heard it the first time and I just remember speaking with a few of my Native American friends, Clifford and David and um, Brian and one, one of the, when I started looking in the vaccine thing and realizing what it was and looking at the histories of, of what they are and how they've been used around the world um, for a depopulation agenda, I thought it was super interesting that, you know, of the Canadian government, they're, they're prior, prioritizing Native Americans first. Um, when has the Canadian government prioritized the health and well-being of the Native Americans ever before? Um, that didn't make any sense. And so... Uh, what Clifford and David told me, they said the depopulation agenda, or not even depopulation, the genocide agenda is, is ongoing. And some know that and some don't. And then you shared that story with me. And I said, people need to know this. And um, a lot of people are afraid to share. And it's, it's dangerous. And it, it takes a bit of courage. And, you know, even 
was on a panel today and they're talking about media and you know one of the things that they'll do if you're speaking the truth is they'll just deplatform you and that um, will demonetize for some people which isn't ideal because that's your livelihood and that's how you uh, put bread on the table for your family but that's a small they start wherever they can right they 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 take away the money and then um, it gets worse and worse and then they you know attack you in the media i have some friends um you know that that they got deplatformed they lost their things um and then um you know slandered in the media every single day to try to get them to stay quiet and we need the truth to be out there especially if it can cause harm you know if that kind of ridiculousness is going on we need we need to stand up and we need to just say no you know what i mean all people need to get together now and like you said we're all on the depopulation agenda now just not everybody's aware of it you know um just like the smallpox um somebody would say oh you know that this blanket is going to make you ill and now we have people saying oh no it won't but no some of us know what's going on and we're trying to share say hey look into it yourself you know why would people just be saying something doesn't make a lot of sense and when they're deleting information on mass they're deleting whole accounts uh they're not oh the news is only reporting one story but then you go and you talk to people and you get a totally different story um then you can kind of start piecing things together and now is the time where we really need to unify um together as as one people you know set all the differences aside let all these you know race wars die and religion wars and not everything that's set to divide us and you know we're a people under the sun and if we can do that as individuals we can stand together because we should know what harm is we should know when we see another human harming another human that that is not okay that that we need to stand for just basic truth and basic justice and and knowing what i know i'm just so concerned with you know what's happening and and how to you know, share with as many people as we can to say, hey, you know, um, you know, if you want to make this choice where you put that in your body, you should know what it is. And by their own definition, it's genetic modification. And uh, it's not it's not a vaccine by definition, not supposed to prevent you from getting an, a virus and also prevent spread. It doesn't do either of those two things. Now, um, if you look into uh, the the patent and what it actually says on their website, it's ex literally experimental genetic modification um, and the technology that they can use. And this is what you said to me in the beginning, it's a different technology. It's just a different way. It's just a different platform. And so um, I just uh, am grateful that you were willing to share your story. And I know it take a lot of uh, courage and um, I'm just grateful that you did. And hopefully uh, people will hear this. And if you have, and you have a platform, share it, let people know, um, you know, don't be afraid to speak the truth or at least have the courage and, and do your own research. And so, uh, you know, we're in very challenging times here, but the beautiful thing is, is those of us who want to speak up for uh, truth and justice, um, we're going to figure out a solution together. And so just thank you so much for coming on the show. And I guess I'll just ask, is there anything that you wish that I'd asked or anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Um, I think I was kind of getting at this earlier and I just, not another, in another direction, but, um, I know that it's not real popular in the native community for us to share, uh, these types of, of stories. And even with, you know, my own personal experience and the vision quest, that information isn't 
it's been shared very much, you know, and the reason that I share it was because I was specifically told this message is for women and this message is for everyone. And it's you being here, you have made a commitment to bring that information to the world right now. But with what's happening in, um, on the Navajo reservation, um, I, I feel like there's a couple of things going on. One thing is that people do share and no one, they, their message doesn't go anywhere. It's almost like they feel like nobody cares what happens to them. And that's why my friend Deborah Anderson made her documentary about the Pine Ridge Reservation. Because the stories, the people that, they, that we're speaking out, we're not being heard. And so the other thing that happens is that there's sometimes a backlash when they do speak out. Someone feels like, you know, well, we're going to, then we're going to take this away. Or we're going to, we're going to show them that they don't need to be, you know, they shouldn't be talking or speaking out about this stuff. And, and that's happened throughout history. You know, um, we've had different Native American uprisings, and then we get uh, bad things happen, you know, because, because for speaking out. And um, so for some of them, my, my Native friends, they might feel like, why is she talking about this? Like, don't, almost like, don't rock the boat. Are you, you're just making it worse for us. And you don't even live on that reservation. So what are you, why do you think that you should be telling that story? You know, and I'm, so I'm hoping that that is not the spirit that is received when, you know, people hear my words and that, you know, that I'm doing this in love because I, I did meet with this, you know, with these people and I listened to their story and I told them that I would do this. I told them that I would get the story out. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And I just hope that everyone understands that. And if there's anyone out there that has these stories that have similar stories about what is going on right now in the world, and you feel like you don't think your story will be heard, or you don't think someone will care, I ask you, please reach out to myself or reach out to Matt. And um, he's got a YouTube channel. So still, you know, for now, he's he's still there. So reach out to him. And in love, I'm saying he's going to be there. He's going to go through this whole journey with us. Like I was telling Matt before the video started, before, you know, we started recording, I said, we're going to get to the other end of this, Matt, and we're just going to look at each other and be like, dude, that crap really happened like we survived that so we are we are gonna make it through this and people like Matt and others like myself and people listening that want to share their their truth we are going to help bring those other people those other truth seekers through this time into the other side of it into the new cycle the sixth sun or like the Hopi say, we're into the human cycle. 
we're coming into this new era and because of people like Nat, because of people speaking out and telling their stories and telling truth that we are going to make it together. We're going to help each other. Not everybody's going to make it through this. And I think some people are going to get to the point where they're like, I don't want to be going through this anymore. But those of us that are here to fight, those of us, those warriors of us that are here to help humanity come through this transition, we, we're going to use our voice while as, for as long as we can, because we never know when these platforms are going to be gone. But we're going to remember the stories that we shared with each other. Those can never be taken from us. That's why our traditions are oral. That's why we tell stories as our religion, because we know that we can pass something from one to the other and it can be kept in our hearts forever. It can change the world that way. So please reach out, please tell your stories, please share, please share in truth and love. And those are my words. Thank you, Matt. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing everything you did. And, you know, I'm definitely going to do what I can to continue to share these stories and, um, you know, seek the truth and look for ways to support, you know, like the, these things shouldn't be going on. And the more of us that can be aware of it and then take action and stand together. That's how we overcome tyranny. But if we keep our heads in the sand and we don't look at it and we don't come together, then it's just going to continue. And so that's what's required of us. Um, is there, do you want to give any kind of uh, email or website address if anybody wants to contact you or, or get in touch? Or do you want to save that? Um, you know what? I will you have my email address so maybe you can put it in the description i don't want to just say it but if people really want to find me they can check in the description and they can contact me well how about i beat the i'll be the gatekeeper so if you want to get to you you have to go through me so you know i remember uh david lombard telling me that um you know the grandmother councils were the ones that uh, gave the go-ahead to before they went to war and that that was the highest council and that makes sense to me because my mother <clears throat> is the most compassionate person i know and uh they just have a different thought process and so you know and the men are supposed to stand up and protect the family and they're supposed to be that first um <clears throat> thing you know what i mean for safety and uh, not that women can't take care of themselves of course they can um but you know i'm a little bit more well equipped just in my being to like go you know force first and then you know you guys can be <laughs> doing your own thing um and come in if if you need to but you know I, I see a lot of men not doing what i think that they could be doing standing up and having courage and protecting those you know protecting the weak pr protecting the vulnerable speaking up um, you know, giving a helping hand, doing what you're, what you're here to do. And so um, I just invite more people to stand up and have more courage, have more faith, have more collaboration, have more understanding and just, um, yeah. So if they want to get a hold or, or connect with you, they can go through me and I'll make sure that they're legit and uh, that you're, you know, safe and secure with what you're doing and, and you are, yeah, just, you know, are able to keep sharing if you'd like to share. And I know that some people are going to want to reach out and want to connect and I'll make sure that, uh, that they're connected. So just thank you for sharing your story and coming on. I think it's so important. And uh, I, you give me hope, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll get through this. Some days I kind of, when I see all this negative stuff and I hear these stories, cause I want to know what's going on. It, it's very disheartening. You know, it, it definitely uh, makes me upset and, and uh yeah. So, you know, I'm just, uh, you give me a little bit of hope as well. So thank you so much for coming on and, and we'll be in touch. I'm glad you said that. Wait, Matt, because my name in Yaki 
Sewa Buewa, it means flower of hope. And that's what I've been asked to come here and do. So I appreciate you saying that and it's very fitting. Thank you for having me. Have an awesome night. Bye everyone. Thank you so much. See you guys. Thanks for watching. Peace.